You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those men and women who lived well, who died well, and bring to us all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to those who carry this legacy to us that we might reach back and learn from those who have gone before us. I call out to them in this particular time where so many on this globe are poised to repeat the mistakes of our own history of our own shared ancestry. And I ask these ancestors to be ever more pushy (laughs) in reaching out to us, those, the living who are asking for help, to reach through those uh, dead who are still in need of healing and to help the living connect with those who bring all that is true and beautiful to us that we might um, be the people who can innovate and change, who can grow, who can face these challenges and become the medicine. And I ask these ancestors to stand with us, to help us to do this in our time. And as these human ancestors gather round, let us reach beyond them and begin to open ourselves to that which is truly other, to other shapes and forms of the great diversity of life here on this planet. This is not our planet. We are not entitled to it. We are here as part of this great fabric of life. And I call out to all of those ancient ones, far older than humans, and in that time wiser. I ask them to come to us to help us to be wise ourselves, to understand that which abides understand those qualities of life that do go with us when we die and to leave behind those distractions that have nothing to do with the cultivation and the expression of our deeper soul. So I I ask these non-human ancestors to help us to remember our true nature and to help humanity to take its place, its rightful place in the fabric of life as a blessing, as a song and as a great dreaming. And as all of these ancestors gather round, those in human form and those in other forms, let us gather ourselves, drawing our awareness from wherever it might be into our head, focusing from our head into our heart. And as we expand into our heart, then focus and extend down into our belly. And from our belly, let us take a moment and imagine or literally touch the earth. To reach out to the earth in gratitude for all that has been, that has brought you to this moment, all that is in this moment, and all that will be. We give gratitude to the earth for this place we call home for our journey, the journey of our life. 
We give gratitude to the earth for diversity and beauty and all of the many things that move in and out of our life and help to inspire us to become the men and women we've come here to be. We call out to the earth and ask her to feel our gratitude for this day and wonder in life itself. And as we hold this blessing dear to our heart, let us begin to reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, letting our gratitude flow out layer by layer into this beautiful planet, this great dreamer, reaching deep down, feeling the wonder of this dream of life and all of its complexity, all of its beauty, until we reach the very center of the earth and take, make the choice to connect yourself deeply there in the center of the earth to connect into those energies that draw their strength from darkness, from solitude, from silence, from stillness, that which is innately peaceful. And we reach into this energy and begin to draw it up as it rises up to begin to support potential, to begin to support abundance, to rise up into ourselves, to restore, replenish, to nourish, to revitalize, uh, to bring life where there has been uh, emptiness. We call out to this energy that we can reach in and draw up what is our true responsibility in this life and to draw from the earth the nourishment and the abundance necessary to bring that true responsibility out through our actions in our day. And to do this, we must know who we are, where we stand and what we stand for. May we draw on the energy of the earth to create this sense of rooted groundedness in that which has deep heart meaning and purpose. And let us build our sense of home, our sense of family, our sense of belonging from that which has meaning and purpose in our life. Let us not just revert back to that which is comfortable or traditional, but to truly reach into these energies and shake them and make sure that they ring true with that which you believe has heart and meaning in your own heart and build your world on these energies. And do so in a way that is always leaving the door open, leaving a place at your table, offering comfort to those who are different. For it is through the other and our conversations and our communication, our connection with those who are different than we are, that we will be challenged to grow into the men and women we were truly born to be. So as we learn from the earth how to connect with others, how to connect with the other within ourself and all the many aspects of ourself within, to connect with our environment, to connect with the invisible world, and to connect with all the many layers and realms and energies that are around us in a good way, understanding our place within all of it as a great exchange of energy. And as we learn from the earth how to connect in right relationship with things, may we have more and more moments in each day in which we feel ourselves in that right place, right time, doing the right thing, because we find ourselves in that great web of life, doing what it is that we are meant to do there. And as we settle in this sense of place and purpose and connection and interconnection, let us begin to draw our energy up from our belly to our heart our heart to our mind and up and out our mind into the sky and out through whatever weather the sky holds for you into the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever name you know that energy name it 
and reach out to someone who looks different to you and find someone who names it something different than you do and learn about that name and what that person believes and keep reaching and reaching until we come to understand the many, many names, the many, many ways that humanity has come to describe this energy above, even as we draw this energy down. Drawing into our lives these radiant energies from above that bring in deep blessing, that bring in the energy of protection, that let's use these energies for commitment and devotion to that which is our responsibility to do. We call in the benevolence of our universe and open up to be more benevolent and to call in the inspiration and illumination and live our lives in a way that we are an inspiration that we can illuminate the way for those who are lost and confused and troubled by the chaos. Let us call this energy in and let it infuse our mind, our heart, and our belly and our life as we send it down to the center of the earth. And in this way, may we move through this day as a connection between the above and below and let that great energy, these two beings hold, these two ancient ones, this big love that moves between them. Let it move our heart to awaken so the spirit of our heart comes alive, bringing that crucible of transformation that lives in the heart online, calling up the passions of the belly and down the crystal clarity of the mind so these energies come together in the heart and inspire through their movement and awareness in the heart of each other that they inspire the birth of that third and most sacred thing which is some sense or inkling or memory or feeling of why it is that you are here and let you nurture that seed in your heart may you find courage in that same heart to do things large or small to bring those gifts into the world fully manifest. And for all of the spirit help that you have and all of the spirit help that I have, that which is countless and absolutely unimaginable, the amount of help we truly have if we can only learn to work with it effectively. For all of that help, I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I would like to give thanks to some special living things, humans, Walter, Carla, Kelly, Carita, Lorraine, Sarah, and Joan. These are all people that have been able to donate financially to Why Shamanism Now. Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. It exists in the world because listeners like you have been willing to donate, usually humble donations, some more generous. All of them are an act of generosity and energetic exchange made by people who feel this show moves them. So if this show moves you in any way, doesn't have to be positive, as long as it moves you, you've been moved in the heart, and please do that most shamanic of actions, and let that which moves your heart motivate your actions in the world. And to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. If you are not able to donate financially, there are many ways to help things to grow these days in the world. Be creative. Use them. Share them with others. Bring them into your journey circle. Bring them into manifestation in your life. Share things on social media. Not, share not just the posts of the show, but share your experiences. Help people begin to understand through their direct connection with you that they can use shamanic skills 
to live a better life right now, each day. And for all the many ways that you are doing that, I'm deeply grateful. All that you donate to the show goes directly to keeping the show on the air. Um, and you can do that by going to whyshamanismnow.com. Donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We accept it all and we're deeply grateful for all of it. Um, for those of you that are on iTunes and don't realize it, Why Shamanism Now has its own website, whyshamanismnow.com, and the archives can be found there just as they are found on iTunes and um, at uh, co-creatornetwork.com on their site of our producers. So uh, let's see. So this show is actually not live today, um, but I am happy as always to entertain your questions via email. You can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Right, so today I would like to connect some dots um, in a way that I hope will support and perhaps even inspire some long-term sustained shamanic activism uh, to go along with the actions that I trust you are all taking in your ordinary reality lives, um, particularly here in America, but we're not the only country being challenged right now with problematic governments. And so it is my hope that as um, contemporary spiritual people, you are not using your shamanic spiritual life as an excuse to step away from the world as it is, but that you are participating in the everyday actions of being a citizen in whatever country it is that you live in. And, of course, things just got real in the United States. Um, they have been real for a long time, although people have been able to tell themselves they didn't need to pay attention. And that's obviously changed here in the United States. Um, and so these shows, a series with Kelly Harrell two weeks ago, Evelyn Reisdyke last week, this show, and then I'm going to rerun a show about spiritual activism next week, um, are all about helping us to begin to think be creative, be courageous in using our shamanic skills um, in ways that support all living things, support creating the changes needed for all living things. And, these, and, and recognizing that at this time, in the United States at least, we must be acting not only in the physical world but in the spiritual world and not one or the other. But we need to be taking action in both. So if your spiritual life has been an excuse to disengage and stop voting and not pay any attention, I encourage you to talk to your helping spirits about that, about whether or not that is a valid uh, way to take responsibility for being a human being on this planet who is using this planet's resources every single day to get through the day. And this is one of the most profound pieces of teachings that I received from Maladoma Patrice Somme which is the, the deeper understanding, sophisticated understanding that shamanic people hold, and his people in particular, um, the Dagara of West Africa, speak to this as your um, owing to the cosmic order. And, it, and what that is, is very simply the understanding that every single day you are alive, you are using resources that belong to the web of life to the earth and the web of life. And the question in every single day then becomes, especially in your adult life, is how are you giving back to that cosmic order? And, and, and they mean that very specifically 
the, because their understanding is the only way to give back to the cosmic order is to stay connected to your cosmic self and express that in the world, your unique genius, your soul's purpose. What did your soul or your more cosmic self come into this incarnation to do? And so this is a time for profound activism using uh, our shamanic skills uh, to create change in our world. Okay, so I'm going to try to connect some dots. Um, Again, that will hopefully help us to inspire us to step outside of what has become a comfort zone in contemporary shamanism, at least in America. And begin to stretch ourselves into a discomfort zone and to begin to take some actions that would be able to manifest long-term sustained uh, change through long-term sustained activism. Um, and, and, and I guess my point is, and these actions will most likely be uncomfortable, they'll push us out of our comfort zone, and none of us are going to get paid for it. And none of us may even ever be acknowledged for having done it. And yet, this is our time, and so it is ours to do. So how do we do that? Okay, so last week, Evelyn Reisdyke, as I said, she joined us to talk about shaman as activist, which is um, a piece that shows up in all of her work. And so Evie's got some great books out there, and this why the shaman is an activist and how to do that is definitely a thread through her work that I really appreciate in the work that she's doing in the world right now. And the week prior to that, we had Kelly Harrell, who was speaking um, about this area of how are we affecting the very energies that are affecting us. And so one more show that you could loop into that is um, in this series of shows about different kinds of helping spirits, I talked about time spirits. And in many ways, Kelly was talking about what I would call a time spirit. So it was the spirit of leadership being changed over time by the actions of humans into the spirit of subordination. Um, And you can listen to the show with Kelly to hear more about that. But the important piece of that to look at is – really understanding the dynamic of the relationship between human beings and their actions and how it begins to affect our world and then the world loops back and begins to affect us. And that can be a system of negative reinforcement, which drives us deeper and deeper into patterns that we are already seeing evidence aren't working, or it can be positive reinforcement of new ways of doing things um, that... uh, or I should say doing things with new awareness that allow us to begin to manifest a different reality. Um, So today I'd like to speak um, to both of these shows and to push us to really imagine what shamanic activism could be. So in other words, to to be clear, at this point in time, uh, people like Sandra Ingerman and others are doing um, big global connected ceremonial work online using the technology we have today to link people all over the world. Sounds True also did this through Year of Ceremony last year. And many of us at our place where we're just going, wow, can this even really work? Is this even going to be effective? And I would encourage us to shorten that timeline of, oh my God, this really works, to like, now, we're done, it works. And go beyond this. This is not 
the maximum of what we can do. It's a wonderful thing to do, but it is not the pinnacle of what we could do. And I say this with enormous love and compassion for the fact that this is our process as this sort of in uh, the Western world, this first generation of people coming in into contemporary shamanic practice. And again, we're babies because there are traditions around the world that are unbroken and have been going on and on and on for thousands of years. But for us, we spent a really long time in the, oh my God, do I have a helping spirit? Oh my God, my helping spirit gave me an answer that really worked. Oh my God, my helping spirit gave me an answer that helped somebody else. That is a really important part of your learning process. It's an innocent and naive time, and we all need to go through it. It's, it's really a time of great blessing. It's a beautiful time, and it needs to be shortened from 30 years to a few months because we need to um, hitch up our uh, shamanic britches here and get with the program because our time is asking us to take some leaps and some risks and to be much more courageous in what it is that we are creating. Okay, so again, dots, connecting the dots. Okay, so Evelyn spoke to the history and how the shaman's role cross-country has always been the role of restoring harmony where there is disharmony. You know, thus the reason for us talking about this in multiple shows in a row. Where are we going to find the new information that values, comes out of a value for harmony and can look at the disharmony going on in our world today and move it towards harmony without making necessarily making anybody a bad guy and staying in these political clashes and the misinformation and all of the ways things are dealt with in the contemporary world is getting in, in many ways, frankly, and it's insanity fairly um, non-ordinary at this point. But anyway, the point is she's saying this has always been the role of the shaman. So if you call yourself a shamanic practitioner or a shamanic healer, it is not just an option. It is your responsibility because this is the role of this person in the community. Okay. And and he, um, Evelyn did a beautiful job pointing out that shamans, you know, what makes a shaman a shaman is that they are working both with the energies in the invisible world to affect changes there, as in Sandy's big global online ceremonies. So, okay, to affect changes in the non-ordinary world, uh, to make changes in the non-ordinary world that affect change here in the ordinary world. And Evelyn was very good at saying, and working the other way, shamans also work with the energies of the ordinary world, like a river or a lake or clean air or whatever, um, to work with those energies to help uh, create whatever harmony needs to be created or is being called for by those living things. Okay. So she did a good job talking about not only the history of the shaman as activist, but these ways of working that give the shaman um, different, in her words, powers to draw on to make things happen in the world. Um, and I asked Evelyn, you know, what those actions, you know, from the historical shamans look like now. And on that show last week, we began to discuss how we could use our shamanic skills to create har harmony here and now with, with our current disharmony in the world. Um, in other words, what are the next steps? 
you know, how do we go from clearly showing what we want to change to making that change actually happen in the world? And Evelyn had a number of great suggestions, both personal and communal, um, that are all rooted in the idea that all meaningful movements um, in anything that truly changes things is built on individual connection and communication with other individuals. And so an example of this would be um, there is a vast distinction between a person who is forced by law to treat people of color as equals when they simply don't believe that. Um, And we see a very significant evidence right now in America that a large portion of America does not believe that white presenting people, I mean, does believe that white presenting people are somehow superior. Now, another significant amount of Americans believe that there is no superiority. But the point is, enough believe there is that it, it remains policy. Okay, so anyway, but my point about that was, what's different is the distinction be someone who is just being forced by law to appear to be a certain way. Um, is vastly different from a person who holds that belief, let's say, um, as a white presenting person, that they are somehow superior to other people. And through some sort of interaction or connection or communication, in other words, through some personal experience, they actually change their belief. Um, And so one of the most common examples is um, a family who for its religious reasons believes that um, being gay is a sin um, a belief which we have no facts to support but many do believe that and then one of their kids comes out and they are faced with this direct conflict of in my heart I love this child I know them to have been born innocent and to be a beautiful being and they're gay how do I reconcile that with my beliefs that um, gay is sinful? And, and so it's this kind of direct personal conflict that allows real change. Con- conflict, not direct personal conflict like clashing between people, but the inner conflict, the conscious awareness of the inner conflict between my felt experience and my beliefs. And, you know, just to bring this home to us as people who are bothering to listen to a podcast about shamanism didn't you go through exactly the same thing getting over your contemporary idea about the separation between the spiritual and the physical as you had to go through the process of learning to trust your helping spirit learning to journey learning to trust your helping spirit learning to trust your answers it was exactly the same thing it's needing your personal experience to fly directly in the face of your culture's uh, definite beliefs that you are crazy if you're talking to spirits and to get past that, get over it. So, so we know exactly what this experience is because any contemporary, per, contemporary Westerner practicing shamanism today has had to go through the very same thing, which is having their, their experiences with spirit challenge and rock the beliefs they were given by their culture and go through the very scary process of changing their beliefs. So this puts you in a position where you can be profoundly compassionate for others who must change, confront and change their own beliefs. 
Okay, so that's my sense of where the root of Evelyn's fine examples of what we could do now are coming from. And I'm not going to repeat all those examples. You can go listen to that show. As Evelyn was speaking, I was definitely hearing in the back of my mind Kelly Harrell's conversation from the week prior as she spoke to how the fundamental healing that will change these forces, these big time spirits that are pushing our lives is how we choose to live our lives daily. And by choosing to live in good relationship, literally with all living things, we create through each of those daily actions, we create the healing force necessary to allow if I use her example, that energy that had transformed into subordination to transform back into profound leadership. And and just let me point out, the leader as the archetype did tell us prior to the election in the United States last year, did say that one of the reasons we don't understand leadership and we've got such a dearth of good leadership in the world is because too many people project leadership out onto everybody else and aren't choosing to live it in small ways in their own life. It's the same message coming through a different path, um, overtly for a different reason, but it's coming back to the exactly the same message. How you live your life matters. How you live your life is either medicine for the problem or it is the problem, period. Okay. So as as Kelly said, just to her, I'm going to let you listen to that show. I'm not going to go into the whole show. But her the point was, as I said, she was exploring disharmony, you know, a disturbance in the field. So she was exploring this disharmony. What she discovered was this energy of um, leadership that had been transformed in what was now subordination. And she um, – offered healing to these spirits that she was experiencing in this um, journey Um, and while these um, energies were happy to receive healing it became clear it wasn't going to change anything fundamentally that this wasn't a spirit that needed an act of healing Um, you know the same prayers for 30 days and off it would go and all would be well that this was a profound disturbance that would require more profound actions. And in that space, she says, I saw that these spirits can be healed by a restoration of balanced community in service to nature, truly guided by how to live with natural currents, including each other, other humans. Um, this, I think this piece is really important because there are a lot of people that are feeling depressed and grief-stricken and hopeless and really challenged by this time. And I think this is the piece you're tapping into and you need to not make it your own or you're not going to be able to be effective to change it. So as Kelly said, these spirits, she said that what she saw was in their present state of weakness – You know, they've been transformed away from their original form and power. In their present state of weakness, if these spirits die – chaos results so in other words they're hanging in there in their dysfunctional form and it's already pretty chaotic for us children are already being shot by our own police officers right this is already too much for me frankly 
I don't want to see what that chaos looks like that Kelly's talking about. And so finally what she says is it's not a matter of these spirits just going away and these dynamics are healed. They have to be healed ongoing with the change made in how we order ourselves alongside nature or it goes very badly for everyone. So here we are. Here in the United States, I'm just going to grab two headlines that happened to cross my path simultaneously and, you know, again, speaking, the chaos for me is already too much. So on one hand, President Snowflake signed an executive order to restart the Dakota Access and Keystone pipelines. Now, anyone who didn't think this was going to happen had, you know, was delusional. But my point is the fact that it has happened is, is not good for all things. And then at the same time, Bernie Sanders supportive supporters have taken over the California Democratic Party, which for those of you that aren't real familiar with the United States, that's a really big chunk of America in California. So that's, in my worldview, a progressive step forward. Like I said, we have got to take action in ordinary reality that engages the system that exists in current reality. Yes, we need to resist But we also need to take actions that will change and that will create a sustainable new world that isn't just a repetition of the old world. Okay, so yay Bernie Sanders in California. Okay, so here we are. We're living in this profoundly interesting time. I actually already thought I was living in an interesting time and this time right now is a little too interesting for me, but here I am. I chose to be here now. And so this show is me trying to continue to step up the messages that we got from spirit and do what I can do to the best of my ability. And so here we are. Um, I believe that if we do nothing with our shamanic skills, this will get very, very much worse before it gets better. And so my question to all of us, myself included, is what if we use our shamanic skills What if we get very clever, very, very creative, and very united and communal in the use of our shamanic skills? What if we unhitch the shamanic skills at some percent of our time from our need to make a living, our need to reinforce our um, persona in the world, our need to... Um, engage as a contemporary person in the world and we just decide to put some energy into doing the work that needs to be done even if we remain anonymous even if nobody ever knows and honestly even if it doesn't work my experience in doing things with spirit which means 50% of the time I don't know why I'm being told to do what I do but if I do it things work out is we have no idea what we can do not a clue not even an inkling That what could be done is so much better than we can even imagine right now. But we have to be willing to imagine what it takes to do it, to do it, to get to that place where we look back and go, wow, I had no idea we could actually do this impossible thing. Okay, so the what if that I shared on the show uh, spoke to um, the year of ceremony Uh, piece that sounds true as offered over this past year. It's almost done. I I think there's one or two ceremonies left. Maybe just one. Um, 
and I deeply honored to have been part of that. Every single ceremony was beautiful and it was very valuable to the people that participate in it. So this is not a criticism of that in any way. This is a what if. So what if, you know, all those same presenters, let's say, now offered us ceremonies that were all focused on evolving the same thing. So for example, what if all the ceremonies had the common purpose of continuing to progress America uh, toward an effect in the world that is good for all life? And then what if each ritual actually built on what was created by the one prior? And so instead of individuals offering a really good piece of their personal shamanic work, that each of those presenters with their experience built on each other's work and moved that international body of people through a process that evolved very intentionally each month towards this common goal. So maybe it wouldn't be America, maybe it would be more global purpose. But this is my question. This is the kind of thing I'm really talking about. And every action Kelly offered, every action Evie offered that are personal and direct are also good offerings. And everyone has to decide where they are in their shamanic practice and what work they can do safely and effectively. Yes. But where I'm coming from is I've shared in the past the dark night of the soul time that I experienced while writing the Encyclopedia of Shamanism. And I've shared it to illustrate many different points because it's, you know, seminal stories are sort of like that. But anyway, the piece of it that, sh that is really present in my heart now is that as I, as I stopped reading everybody's interpretation of shamanism and I went back to the original first contact material that everybody else was interpreting and stopped got that layer of interpretation off and just looked at the first contact material from through the eyes of a practitioner um, I came to see how profoundly no matter if, if you take away all the costumes and the mirrors and the drums and the rattles and, and this amazing thing they used to do and this other amazing thing they used to do it all boiled down to the fact that with with all the cultural trappings of what they were doing that they were all doing one thing which was taking responsibility to keep closing the gap between how humans need to be acting and, and living to maintain their communities in a way that they are fitting in with all living things and, and thus part of a sustainable web of life here on earth versus where human beings tend to go when their passions, um, uh, addictions, desires go unchecked, where they are not, well, what, where they're not um, assisted by their culture to become spiritual adults, but they are allowed to stay babies and continue to want childish things and continue to demand from their world what they feel they're entitled to the way children can't help but do um, and as I came to understand that and my own identification with the role of shaman and I began to see the great chasm before me between where people of my time are living and where we need to be living 
I pretty much fell into that chasm. And that was the literal truth of that particular dark night of the soul was that um, we're doomed unless the shamans can start doing their job and the people can join in with having that job done. Now, I only climbed out of that pit because of some really powerful shamanic medicine from Zulu shamans in South Africa that my mother sent to me. And once I received that medicine, I gained the simple idea in my head is that it's not mine to do alone. That my responsibility is simply to do my piece and to do my best to link my piece with other beautiful pieces from other beautiful people. Um, hmm. So maybe that's the point where the idea of the show was born. It just took me another decade to get here. I don't know. But anyway, my point is we need to do this now. And, and we, the people of the globe need to work with our shamans to do this because this is their unique job to help us to close the gap between how our social structure and our way of being with each other and with the world has decayed away from what it needs to be to simply be sustainable you know and sustainable is sane unsustainable is just not sane it's that simple okay so where are we with things all right So, as Kelly and I said two weeks ago, how do we do this? So, what questions do we need to ask spirit? How will we need to reach beyond our personal practices and our personal teachings? You know, much of my life is involved in teaching the cosmology I've learned from spirit and what I would consider you know, personal teachings and that they are unique to the cycle. A huge amount of my time goes into teaching those teachings. So what, how do I need to understand the actions I need to take beyond that or, or outside of just doing that? Um, obviously, there needs to be actions. While those teachings are for the good of all life, there obviously need to be actions beyond just offering the teachings. So how do we serve? How can we serve what needs to happen right now at our time? To put it in the words of Charles Eisenstein, how do we serve the purpose of moving from this place between stories into the new story? And to answer these questions, which are just beginning questions, what do we need to know much more clearly? You know, what, what does it really mean to serve life? What is actually going on? So for many of us, we need to remember that all of the assumptions that we're making are not our friend right now. That we, as Evelyn said, actually, we all need to be rigorous and courageous and potentially lethal internally to our own assumptions, our own beliefs, our own attitudes, our own preferences, um, and really be courageous and able to see beyond where we have seen so far, to hear beyond what we have heard so far, and to open our heart 
to know the dream that's already been dreamt, to know that dream in our heart more fully, more collectively than we have able to been able to do so far. Um, so, first off, you're going, holy crap, lady, I just started shamanism. I think I have a power animal. I'm not sure. I'm trying to learn to journey. I, I can't even process what you're saying. Granted. Okay, so first, all of us. I believe the first thing we need to do is to determine for each for ourselves in this big mess of reality, that which is beautiful and ugly, that which is passionate, that which is a obsession, you know, and all of it in the whole fabric of our reality, what matters? What truly matters? There is not one of us that can do all of it. I mean, unless you're like a hacker for hire and you're just happy to help anybody who's aligned with your beliefs or something like that. Maybe you don't have to pick, but most of us have to pick that which has the deepest, most poignant heart, meaning, passion, purpose for us. Because if we try to do it all, we will fail. And if we don't do something we will grow disheartened. We will feel hopeless. We will feel powerless, impotent, and things will go badly. It will just be more money for the pharmaceutical companies. And that's not a good path. Sorry, that's my opinion. Not a good path. Okay. So choose what has heart and meaning for you and commit to taking actions in that arena. And choose something. It is by doing small things and things that matter to you, that you feel powerful. It empowers you. It empowers other. It helps us to stay out of hopelessness. It also will keep you from burning out, which is what trying to do everything all the time does for us. And it's possible that in choosing what has real heart and meaning for you, you will find your passion and your passion will help to sustain you from getting burned out and, and feel hopeless and that in following your passion and helping to change what really has heart and meaning for you in the world, you may find your purpose because our purpose and our passion are linked intimately. And so follow that which deeply matters to you and start to affect some change there in ordinary reality and I'm encouraging you also to try to do so in non-ordinary reality. So once you pick what you really feel passionate about, educate yourself. How does the system work in your country that affects this thing? Let's say that thing is, oh, Lord, there's so many, right? A woman's right to not be raped on the way home from whatever they're doing that evening. Um anything I mean oh lord the list is so long right now I can't even begin I'll lose my track of my thoughts here for the show it's it's endless pick what matters and educate yourself in your country what are the things that influence that thing that matters to you in America this is a really big deal because most Americans including myself are shocked every year when the electoral college actually swings the vote away from the popular vote hello people that's the system if you don't like it Engage in changing that system. And that's what I'm saying. Where's your passions? For some people, their passions are in politics. 
change the parts of the political system that don't work then. Engage, educate, learn about the system, right? And then, because that's going to help us to ask better questions of spirit. And so then the next piece is educate yourself in the spirit world. Let your helping spirits help you understand these other factors that are going on. For I mean, a specific example I've already shared. Here's Kelly wanting to understand essentially the, the flow of racism in her area. She's in North Carolina and they're on the eastern seaboard of North America. And she finds out about leadership and subordination. I mean, that is a big piece of information. And she also even finds out the remedy. And so that's what I mean. Educate yourself in the physical world. Educate yourself in the spirit world. Challenge your assumptions. From that place, you can begin to take informed action, both in ordinary reality and using your shamanic skills. And the third thing I would say, just these are just the basics for all of us. You know, pick what matters educate yourself and to the best of your ability don't do it alone I mean one of the most consistently valuable things about the technology we have at our fingertips these days is that allows us to connect it allows this radio show to go out to that one person out in the middle of nowhere who doesn't have any other lifeline to shamanic teachings I mean that's important So use our technology to connect and find others and work with them. That is another way to avoid burnout is don't try to do it alone. And if you are literally alone doing it because of the circumstances of your life, do not do it without spirit. Okay, and this ties back to something Evelyn said last week. Work merged with your helping spirit. Work with the assistance of your helping spirits. Do not do this alone. The idea that there is a chosen one who will save us is part of the old story and it is one of the driving forces of the old story that makes sure that those natural leaders who could lead um, a community in effective transformation burn out because they get caught up in the idea that the true person who's going to save things and change things is the chosen one. And they live into that very dysfunctional part of the old story and burn out. So if you can, do not do it alone. If you have to do it alone, at least do it with the help of your helping spirits. Okay. So that's for everybody, especially for those of you that are like, holy crap, I just am coming into shamanism and she's loading all this stuff on my shoulders. Ah, Okay. Now, what about the rest of us? What about the rest of us that have been here for 30 years? Granted, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but nonetheless, we have a certain skill set and we shouldn't be afraid to use it. And we shouldn't be pedantic and dogmatic and um, boring about how we use it either. Okay, so I'm sharing these shamanic things with the assumption that you are taking actions in the physical world to work with that system of which we are all part. And Evelyn uh Evelyn and Kelly both reflected that whole idea. It's not one world or the other. We live in both and we need to take action in both. Okay. And so some of the things that we talked about in the show last week with Evelyn was um, one of the things that we can do is divination. We can be stop just journeying for ourselves or in our little journey circle, but begin to offer um, 
oracular, anyway, being the oracle for the community. So I used to do um, free shaman talks in my community here in Portland. And, and um, it brought a lot of people in to find out about shamanism that otherwise had no other access and no other way to do it and wouldn't have otherwise. It made it so simple they could not go do it. Didn't have anything else to do on that Friday night, so they came. Okay. I could sh- step that up and have that be month a month Friday night oracle and, and allow – uh, you allow myself to merge with spirit and allow spirit to speak through and simply answer the questions of the community. Okay, so we talked about this on last week's show. That's a possibility. Um, another one is using ceremony intentionally to help support and reinforce the status quo that exists. Um, support and reinforce, so to help keep bringing people in and reinforcing their relationship with that which is good and true and beautiful, that which is working, that which we want to support and do more of. And then we can also work with spirit to divine the rituals necessary to create the changes that need to happen. I also spoke last week about conjure dances as a particular kind of ritual that can bring in a new vision so that we can come to understand it better um, can also be used to conjure energies that we need more of to make a change happen Um, and so so we have a lot of these are the broad brush strokes but we have these skills in our skill set so let's use them now on a larger scale for something other than our um, personal and professional work is what I'm thinking here. Okay, so so for example, let's pick one of the most challenging examples. I find, because of my own weakness as a human being, that I tend to be impatient and I'm easily frustrated and become very hot-headed in situations that to me seem stupid. <laughs> and to be a profound waste of the resources of our beautiful planet. Okay, notice that I am not above finding myself in moments of profound judgmental behavior. Okay, so I find conversations with fundamentalists problematic because of that, because I'm not a good enough person. I'm not a big enough person to do that in a good way. Okay, so the issue with fundamental thinking is that it's about, it's not about what people are thinking. That doesn't define a fundamentalist. How they're thinking defines a fundamentalist. Okay. And so that's why I posted um, an article on my Facebook stream. Um, The article was called An Insider's View, the Dark uh, Rigidity of the Fundamentalist Rural America Um, in Deep Red White America, the White Christian God is King. And this is by Forsetti's Justice on Alternet from November 22nd. Okay. So I personally thought it was well-written largely because if you follow the logic relative to that particular brand of fundamentalist thinking, that same logic applies to any fundamentalist thinking to understand the challenges of um, embracing fundamentalists in your midst. And what the election in the United States showed us in the United States is how many fundamentalists we have in our midst and didn't weren't really conscious of it. So in general, 
so what the article says in general that if you are outside the bubble of that particular fundamentalist belief system, then you are wasting your breath because everything outside of the bubble that is reinforced by the belief system is suspect right off the bat. Um, and that there is only one way that a fundamentalist belief is changed. And that is through profound personal experience that is at odds with that long-held belief. Okay, so if that's the case, so I, as a shamanic practitioner with a wacky radio show and my own little cosmology and cycle teaching, I'm way outside of the bubble of most fundamentalist thinking, right? So what do I do? I can't, there's no point talking to these people other than being pleasant and human with them or humane with them because because why? I'm outside the bubble. They don't care. All right. So what can I do? Well, as a shamanic practitioner, I can do ancestral healing. I can do ancestral healing with the focus of lifting the fear that is the underlying root of fundamentalist thinking. I could do that ancestral healing. Now, I couldn't certainly do that all by myself. It's pretty big. But I have been training people to do this kind of ancestral healing. We could get together and do that do that together. Um, the other thing that we can do right here, right now, if you have the skills, is do the shadow transformations that are inherent in any kind of fundamentalist thinking and the fear that drives it. Which isn't to say I shouldn't be doing my own shadow transformation. That's not my point. My point is if we have higher level shamanic skills, then there are some higher level healings, uh, higher level in terms of complexity that we could be doing. We can dive into the ancestral healing that needs to happen. We can dive into the shadow healing that needs to happen because while shadow energies are personal, they are also communal. And anything that's communal is up for grabs. So we could do those transformations very consistently and coherently. And then the next piece, though, is equally important, which is to be prepared to embrace the moment that you suddenly become part of someone's deep personal experience. That you become part of that moment that a fundamentalist of whatever stripe is suddenly confronting an old belief no longer supports the experience they're having and be compassionate in that because you know that experience because you've had it in your own shamanic development. I believe that we also, I mean, that's an example of work that we can do collectively. I also believe that we need to look at the possibility of collective ceremony. As I discussed earlier, sort of that sort of what if relative to the year of ceremony. That I think the ceremonial work, especially the global ceremonial work that's being done is beautiful work. There's no problem with it. But I think that we need to look ahead at what actually needs to get accomplished and work back to how much time we have in our lifetime and actually start realizing we need to be biting off much bigger chunks to chew. And the truth of the matter is Sandra Ingerman is most likely going to keep doing what it is that she's doing because she does it well and and her power really suits that piece of continuing to bring people in. Um, It's others, I believe, that need to start doing this somewhat dicier, a little bit more risky work with people that have skills and not lean always on Sandy to do that. I I don't personally believe that's her 
what she sees as her soul's purpose. She's doing her soul's purpose beautifully. We need to now take what she's taught us and move on. And so then the other question I would have, could any of us talk Sounds True or Shift Network, one of these big platforms, to actually pro bono offer that platform up for this kind of ceremonial work, for the possibility of this this kind of transformation? The other thing, would, of course, if we're going to do collective ceremony, would be to do collective ritual work. Um, and for me, this is why I encourage people to actually do the cycle teachings because one of the best kept secrets in contemporary shamanism is the actual transformative power of the ritual work that we learn to do within the cycle. It is profound. It works with the elements um, and it's available to everyone if you are willing to step into the process and learn some skills to do it. And that's the biggest challenge for people is they get in after year one and they go, crap, I have to actually do this and it's hard. And so people leave. So there really isn't anything comfortable about where we are at this time. And we need to accept that and stop all action we are taking to try to get back to some comfort that we had before. This is so I'm responding to that by offering new classes in 2017. Like I need more new things to do. I don't. It is extremely uncomfortable for me. But it is important to support the continued movement of you all who want to become spiritual adults. Those of you who want to learn true resiliency, those of you, now these are the new classes for 2017, I'm offering the Courageous Heart, so those of you who do your heart's work in the world can understand all the powers of the heart, understand what truly nourishes your heart, your whole heart, all four chambers of your heart, and get the four chambers of your heart working in concert so that you are at 100% of the power of your heart, and most people work at 25 I'm also offering a new class on the shadow work with shamanic skills so that we can understand how to dig into our own shadow work and better support others who need our assistance to truly get at their shadows. And it is very clear. Well, anyway, new application of old shamanic skills, one that we desperately need in our time. So there just isn't anything comfortable about where we are at this time. And we need to accept that and learn to function well with skills in that discomfort because it's time to do what needs to be done while we are all still breathing. So I want to thank the ancestral energies for holding us well, the earth below, the sky above, the heart that unites us all, and the helping spirits that have taught us all of these things. I want to draw your attention to Lenore Norgard. Um, N-O-R-R-G-A-R-D, Circle of Living Earth. She is going to be teaching an online course in spiritual activism. This is one of her true gifts, and I would encourage you all to check out Lenore. The course is in development, but um, to keep an eye on that, maybe get on her mailing list so you will know. Educate yourself. People are teaching good programs. Raise your skill set. Registration for Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self for the cycle teachings for the July offering of masks is up and running. Um, you can find all of, all of that at lastmasscenter.org. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week. <laughs>